It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Anthony Haney is back uh, from Nationals. We don't we don't have to talk about it, Anthony. We got other stuff we got to talk about today, uh, so we won't talk we won't talk about what happened to your football team at Nationals. But uh, we will be talking about Adam Peters all day long. Of course, the Commanders' new general manager introduced today uh, as the. Next general manager. It's weird because, like, you know, we do like the head coach things. Like, this is the forty-second head coach in franchise history. Or if you're the Steelers, like, this is the seventh head coach in franchise history. By the way, uh, Mike Tomlin, your fever dreams of getting him to DC can end. He apparently said in today's team meeting in Pittsburgh that he will be returning in 2024, despite walking off the podium when asked about uh, his job by our friend Brooke Pryor yesterday. Uh, but. Obviously, today, Adam Peters announced as the next general manager of the Washington Commanders, reported over the weekend, is a five-year deal for Peters. And I will say it was he was very impressive in his press conference while also um, not being specifically impressive. And what I mean by that is this. Um, Peters, in his press conference, proved exactly who he is. He is a mission-driven, process-oriented, highly intelligent person who is not going to get himself in rhetorical trouble the way that a lot of people in powerful positions, especially those that have to talk to the press, do without even much prodding. And there's a couple of really good examples of this in the press conference. And I think some of those examples can be misconstrued as, oh, he's... Like, oh, my God, did we make a bad hire? Like, some people will freak out about these answers, and I'm telling you, they are telling on themselves, not telling you anything about Adam Peters. For instance, he was asked about the roster, and he gave a big, long pause before giving a very nondescript, very noncommittal answer. Hey, we have a couple of cornerstone pieces, uh, but we have to evaluate everything. When asked about the number two pick in the draft, he said, we do not really know what we're going to do yet, but like we have to evaluate everything. And, you know, I can't even say anything because we have to see what the head coach wants and we don't have the head coach yet. And he kept coming back to that, that head coach relationship. And it very much seems like Washington is trying to build, build what Detroit has built with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, what or, uh, Los Angeles has built with Sean McVay and Les Snead, what the, the infrastructure and ecosystem that Adam Peters comes from. Uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch uh, have built in San Francisco what John Harbaugh has built with Ozzie Newsom and, and now uh, the folks in charge uh, replaced Ozzie uh, in, in Baltimore. Like the best teams in the league have that head coach uh, GM relationship and the power is shared. I mean, today in Seattle, John Schneider gave a press conference his first since Pete Carroll was told he's not coming back, whatever version of fired versus uh, parting ways, whatever you want to use. And Schneider was, it, one, he was basically in tears at times uh, talking about Carroll because of how much he meant to him. But he also talked about how Carroll, like he now has final say over personnel, something that Pete Carroll had. But Carroll, over the 15 years that they worked together, almost always deferred to Schneider. Carroll had the power, but they split it up properly. That's the relationship that you're going for. And Peters understands that from day one. And because of that, he doesn't have a lot of answers to questions that people want to know. The draft isn't for a long time. So he's not going to have answers of what he's going to do at number two for a long time. Maybe by mid-March, he kind of knows what he's going to do. But even then, there's final evaluations and pro days and 
Now you learn more information behind the scenes. Like there's a lot of information gathering that has to happen. Does he probably have thoughts on the number two pick? Hell yeah. This dude's a scout. He's been scouting all year. He's, he knows who his one, two, three, four, five players are. He knows what his top tier, his second tier looks like on his scouting board to the extent of time that he has spent on that as an assistant general manager uh, in San Francisco. But he also knows that all that stuff shifts around based off the scheme and attitude that a head coach brings to an organization. And then his number one job right now is to find that head coach so that he can apply his scouting acumen to what the head coach wants. And that, by the way, is something he learned in New England under Scott Pioli, who joined us Friday and said this, which got a lot of traction from our interview this weekend. One thing that we had in place in New England was a process and a system. It was a process of evaluation and acquiring talent that fit what the culture was. And the culture is head coach driven. It doesn't matter who's the boss, whether it's the general manager or the head coach. The bottom line is the team becomes the head coach's team. So one thing that Adam saw firsthand during his initial years in the league is when I led the personnel department, we went out and found players that fit what Bill Belichick wanted. And Bill wanted big, smart, strong, tough football players that were disciplined and did things a certain way. And if they didn't fit the head coach's personality, they probably weren't going to last and or they probably weren't going to develop. So here's what I know about Adam. Adam understands that. And he understands that he, regardless, his role is to find and acquire talent. Draft it, sign it, get it under contract, and help the head coach develop them. And I think Adam's philosophy is he, he knows what wins in this league. He's seen it in New England. He's seen it in San Francisco. He knows what wins in the league. And he also knows that the most important part of a general manager and someone who acquires talent is to humble themselves and make sure that they're finding the talent that fits the head coach's needs and what the scheme's needs are. That is the job. The job is to figure out what is the head coach trying to accomplish? Because the differences schematically in this league are not a they're not insignificant. And I think we saw that this year. I think we saw schematically, offensively, and defensively this year. Well, I'm going to say schematically more so offensively. We saw how if you're not adaptable and, and if you don't have good personnel for what you want to do and you don't think out like how the parts of the game interact, your run, your pass, your play action, all that kind of stuff, like it can cause you problems. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't have personnel that fit your scheme, like you're in trouble. And I think what we saw on the defensive side is it doesn't matter what your scheme is. If you can't teach it well, you're dead. Like if you can't teach the things that you want your players to do clearly to the point that they execute them on a high level on a routine basis, you're dead. And like Seattle won the freaking Super Bowl with one of the greatest defenses of all time playing cover three every snap. It wasn't some schematic genius that Dan Quinn figured out when he was in Seattle. Dan Quinn, despite what happened this weekend with Dallas, um, is a tremendous teacher who got everybody on the same page and was able to build the Legion of Boom because he had the right personnel and they were very well coached in terms of exactly what they needed to do, snap in, snap out, and that helped overcome the simplicity of what they did. So, yeah, I believe offensively, especially like what Ben Johnson and Kyle Shanahan and, again, not this weekend, but generally speaking, Mike McDaniel, 
and Kevin O'Connell and Bobby Slowick and like what these Shanahan tree offenses, Sean, certainly in LA, do and how they manipulate defenses is really smart. But it also works because they know exactly who they want in those those spaces. The the vision of the type of player and the characteristics they have are extremely clear. And I think by saying nothing today, Peters shows that he's the right guy for the job because there's nothing to say today. And that's the silly thing about introductory press conferences. Why'd you take the job? What's your vision? Like, those are the right questions. But out the why you took the job one, you can answer on day one. What's your vision? If you don't have a head coach yet, is, uh, hey, we're going to find a head coach that believes in the core tenets that we believe in, and then we're going to let him cook from there. And my job is to be a sous chef. And that is very different, by the way, than a coach-centric approach in the way that Dan Snyder interpreted it with Ron Rivera. The way they interpreted it with Rivera was he's going to do all the work. No, 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 no. You can set the vision, but eventually you need the people with the right skill sets to do the jobs. And that is, hey, we need a big X wide receiver. We need a mobile left guard, or we need a general manager who's actually good at scouting and, and determining what players fit our scheme. And we trust them to do it based off what this head coach is looking for. So Peters today, definitely, I would say kind of boring, but I'm not mad at it, uh, and imp- but impressive nonetheless. The guy that I was actually very impressed with today and was reminded how impressed I am every time he speaks, despite some uh, social awkwardness, is Josh Harris. Tell you why next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And, of course, if you miss any part of the show, you can check it out in the Hoffman Show podcast feed. goes up every hour as soon as we're done. So if you start the show a little bit late and want to start over from the beginning, if you will, uh, you can check out the podcast uh, starting at 5 o'clock for the 4 o'clock hour, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock hour. Um, Anthony, if you figure out how to tell me what I'm going to say in the future, you can post it earlier. So if you want to post the 4 o'clock hour before it's over, um, and just predict what I'm going to say. I don't think that's how podcasting works for a radio show, but you can give it a shot. Yeah, because then I need the audio beforehand. Right. That's all. Yeah, it's like you, got, you can't fa- you know you can fast forward uh, uh, many TV shows, not a live sporting event. Nope. Would make gambling very different. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think people understand how live live audio and video works. Anyway. Uh, Talked in the first segment about Adam Peters and how impressive he was today, um, which is to say, like, he sounded like a real NFL GM. I will say the one, the, the part that impressed me the most probably about Adam Peters is in the beginning of the press conference, just like how human he was. And I've said this before, and I will continue to say this. I think, like, humanity is an underrated part of doing a management job, and, like, general managers, pretty big on the whole managing thing. Um, he's, He's a human being, like a real salt-of-the-earth person. Like, played high school football and wasn't that good at it, uh, relatively speaking to the men that he will employ. Um, but he did eventually walk on to UCLA. Like, he played at a JUCO. Like, he just has gr- grinded his whole life uh, up through the New England scouting uh, 
department and then ultimately to Denver where he plays a pretty significant role. But it, it, like even little thing, Nikki Javala from the Washington Post asked the first question and he says, hey, Nikki, nice to see you. I, I think I knew you a little bit in Denver. There's like a, a human touch there. It's like, oh, yeah, like I've heard of you. I don't, I don't think that like maybe, I don't know, maybe <laughs> secretly that was a wink and a nod because Adam was some amazing source for Nikki back when Nikki worked at the Denver Post. Um, but more realistically, like he probably just read stuff about the team and she was writing it. And so he's familiar with her name and her work. And so it's like, hey, I, I see you, other human being. Um, like Bruce Allen never did that kind of stuff, you know. I think Josh Harris shows some human stuff today. And like I pointed this out on Twitter and it's taken on a life of its own, but Adam Peters called Josh Harris, Josh, he didn't call him Mr. Harris. Like there's a, I see you as another person that we're working together with, not a, you are a subordinate to me that I think is good for the organization and matters for these jobs. Like in your ability to evaluate people, you need to be a person. You can't be this like machismo, like tough football, blah, 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 you know, no feelings, no emotions person. Like he thanked his wife and his kids and he had a nice laugh because uh, he, he, he thanked his, his two young daughters. He's like, they're being pretty good right now. Thank you. Um, he's, he's still in dad mode up there. Like that's awesome. That's good stuff. And of course, if you can't scout for anything, that's not really going to help you that much in the end. Being a nice person isn't everything, but I also think you can't do the job without being a good person. So it, that was good to see the humanity of, of both men, frankly, on display today. But I think the bigger thing that I take away is kind of this thing that we talked about on Friday with Evan Novi Williams, uh, when we were talking about the kind of the, the landscape of ownership in professional sports right now. And that is that Josh Harris is a first-generation rich person. And what I mean by that is he is not someone that was born into money. He is not someone that has grown up with money his whole life. And that means, one, he acts like a normal person. Uh, I mean, he's a socially awkward dude. Um, I don't get that twisted. But that is like he's a normal person with social awkwardness who happens to be worth billions of dollars um, as opposed to like someone who grew up with a billionaire dad on private planes and or, or billionaire mom on private planes with butlers and like he might, I don't know, maybe he has that stuff now, but he, 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 there's a normalcy about him because he is a first generation rich person, not someone who grew up rich and that's the only life he's known. And it also means he actually had to earn the money and the strategic thinking that goes into earning that kind of money is pretty intense. Like you either have to be incredibly lucky and kind of rich to start, AKA the last owner, or like not every owner could take out millions of dollars of loans from their dad. Um, and that's what Dan did. And he turned nothing into basically the commanders and failed at every other business thing he did. Cause he actually wasn't that smart. And I don't say that's a pile on and to, to, to beat a dead horse. But like, I think it's really important to understand that like part of the reason this franchise sucked for 24 years by and large was because the owner, the guy running it was not very intelligent. And Josh Harris is extremely intelligent and it informs how he makes decisions and the processes that he goes through and the people that he consults and the people that are in his network to consult with in the first place. Um, all that stuff really matters. And I think what also was on display is how he sees himself. And this goes back to the humanity and the humility of all of it and the idea of servant leadership, which is something that I, I'm firmly believe in. I think the best leaders 
don't look at it as like, I'm in charge. Everyone follow me. They look at it as I'm in charge. So what can I do to help you? That's what servant leadership is. And part of that is stewardship. Like you're in charge of, uh, in, in this case, a sports organization. Your job is to get it safely till you no longer have it anymore. And Josh Harris certainly is, is hoping that he can pass it along to his kids. Um, but whether it's a future sale or, or it's, you know, his final days, hopefully a long time from now, uh, that, that he passes it on, like he wants to, to leave it better than he found it. And that stewardship is something that he sees as a responsibility, not just for him, but for Adam Peters. He was asked about the, who the next head coach is, and I think his answer was really interesting. Both of us are, in essence, come from uh, the model that we're stewards for the city and that we're on a mission to deliver success to Washington. And so obviously, you know, hiring uh, a coach that um, is on the mission with us, that is all in, that, can, that, 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 him, that himself or herself can attract the best people, uh, you, know, that, you know, all of those things, and then hold them accountable, and obviously ultimately comes with a certain amount of foot, IQ, football intelligence. I think IQ matters. Um, I think it matters increasingly. So I think that all of those things will be important, but ultimately a partner, you know, where the three of us can be aligned and, you know, work for the city on behalf of the city to win. I mean, that answer to me is so telling. And, and the number of times that he referred to Peters as his partner. And like, I remember talking to a player in the postgame lot or in the uh, postseason locker room, the open locker room, which somehow was just a week ago, um, Monday. So a week ago from yesterday. And the player talked about how Ron often felt very upstairs, as they would call it. Upstairs is where the, the front office is. Downstairs is where the coaches and the players are. And I think what Harris is establishing is like, yeah, we're upstairs, but like we're upstairs doing stuff. We're upstairs with the idea that we're overseeing that this goes the right way for the city. And I think it's going to be on the head coach to be the liaison in many ways between upstairs and downstairs. Ultimately the head coach needs to live downstairs. The head coach needs to be the downstairs partner of what's going on upstairs. And I think that's what they're looking for. And that can take, as Adam Peters says, many shapes. That can be an offensive-minded head coach. That can be a defensive-minded head coach. But there's going to be tenets of toughness and doing things the right way that come from upstairs that will make their way downstairs. And that's how you build a building organization in the NFL. It's it like In many ways, it's that simple. The execution of it is extremely difficult. And so we'll see whether it's a Ben Johnson, a Bobby Slowick, a Mike McDonald, an Anthony Weaver, an Aaron Glenn. Like there, there are great candidates out there. Um, but I do think that that is a really interesting framing from Josh Harris, the one that Adam Peters is wholeheartedly on board with, and one that should get Commanders fans excited about the future. So how you feeling? It is a Tuesday, so let's let's vibe check it. Vibe check Tuesday here on the Team 980 on the Ace Law listener line. That, of course, is 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980. We'll take your calls next on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always alive as well on the free Odyssey app. Of course, you can give us a call on this Vibe Check Tuesday at 301-230-0980. That is the Ace Law listener line. If you're on a rack, Ace Law helps you get a check. Call 8888-ACE-LAW. 
Uh, of course, Craig Hoffman with you. Uh, this is my show. We do this every day at 4 o'clock. Uh, many of you probably tuning in uh, maybe a little bit earlier than usual. Get some reaction to what the introductory press conference, a new generation, a new era for the Washington Commanders today with Adam Peters taking over. Uh, we will, at 6 o'clock today, give you the six most important uh, sound bites from that press conference, a little segment we call Pick 6. Michael Phillips, who was there, asked a question. Uh, press club was only limited to one uh, per person, so he, he did his duty. Uh, he will join us coming up at 5 o'clock. Let's get to it, though, uh, on the phones. Let's go to Jensen getting us started on this Vibe Check Tuesday. Jensen, thanks for calling. You're on the Hoffman Show. Yeah, I... I dialed into the sports talk show and it sounded like a dating app. Um, I don't know what the deal with this guy Peters is. Uh, the bottom line is this organization has one thing and one thing only to be committed to. And that's raising the Vincent T Lombardi trophy. I don't care about modeling for the city. I don't care. Matter of fact, I don't care if the nose tackles a Klansman. I don't care if the running back is a, from the Jensen. Black Panthers. I don't care. Jensen. I don't care if they Jensen. come from the penitentiary. Jensen. Jensen, stop talking. I'm going to no, ask you one it's question. Not a dating app. Jensen, do you know how many Super Bowl rings that uh, Adam Peters has? Tell me, how many? Three. How many you got? Okay, he's got three. How many's have? How, how many's have with this team? Zero. So the proof. Yeah, he the got place. here today. That'll you know that'll saying? do for Jensen. Why do people think that stuff just happens? Because what? Like, what's Jensen's process? I wish I, I wish that I had let him keep going, or I wish I could have asked him more questions. Like, no, never mind. I'm not going to say that. That's that would be that would be mean. I'm not going to say what I was just. Anthony, remind me to tell you in the break because it was funny. At least it was funny to me. Um, it's not a dating app. How do you think you acquire the right players? You you have to meet with them. There's it's actually the combines a lot like there's certain parts of it that are like speed dating. You wanna know who's been the best at the parts of the kind of the, the level of prospect that gets the speed dating treatment? San Francisco 49ers and Adam Peters. Adam Peters helped build a roster that has seven all pros on it this year. You know how many this team has had since 2015? One. One. On offense or defense in Brandon Sheriff. That's it. One. Good players win you Lombardis. It's not about being nice. It's not about doing, being good, whatever. Like, like of course, I do care about being a steward of the city, by the way. Um, and by the way, a lot of other people too. And people like Jensen are why horrible people get, skate, get to skate by and be famous in sports while you have people who have been hurt by them that have to watch other people cheer them on. And that's a really screwed up, uh, societal thing that we've had. And I've spent a time on it on this show. I'm not going to get sidetracked by it today, but just know like what Jensen said is really problematic and I hate it. I'm not, I'm not going to let that slide. Um, I do appreciate that he was equal opportunity and at least in his mind of black Panther and Klansmen on opposite sides of things. Um, not caring about anything, but the, the point that I would counter on Jensen's point is who the people are matters so that you actually do the winning. Not thinking it matters is, is how Bruce Allen built a roster. It's how you wind up with a clown show of infighting. It's how you get to a point where your organization is embarrassing on the field. Dan took care of plenty of that off of it. 
It's why the best organizations have good people in them because it matters. And like Greg Popovich built the Spurs dynasty around Tim Duncan in part because he was a good person. He was a great basketball player. And like I said before, if Adam Peters is a good person and a bad scout, he's not in this job. His scouting acumen got him the job or got him to a point that he was in a position to keep rising. But part of his scouting acumen is his ability to, to judge people. Part of his scouting acumen is his ability to sit down with a prospect and understand who they are and what their motivations are and whether or not they love football, which will tell you this guy can or can't improve. Because talent gets wasted all the time in this league because guys who have been talented their whole lives get drafted in the first round and they don't pan out because they don't actually love football. And football is a game at the NFL level that if you don't love it, you're not going to improve. This conversation's fresh for me because Logan and I talked about it this morning when we taped Take Command. Like, the ability to develop players, a Brandon Ayuk, a Fred Warner, uh, a Tafunga, um, these guys that, Kyle Juszczyk, like, these guys love football, which means they'll put in the time. When you put in the time, and you have dedicated coaches, by the way, who are really good on the details and actually good at developing players. That's how you build a winning roster. So, one, hilariously, sports is just a giant male soap opera anyway. You're fight, you, 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 you invest all this emotional energy so that you can lift up a trophy at the end of the year. Like, this ain't life and death. This ain't that important. So, one, get over yourself. Two, it often is like dating. It often is when the player recruitment and the talent process. Someone, a girl might be a, 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 a great person, whatever. She doesn't fit your needs. You're not going to be a couple. Someone else might see that same girl and it might be the perfect match. It might be their soulmate. And football is about finding you a bunch of soulmates. First, if you're a GM, you got to find your head coach soulmate. Second, uh, you got to find your quarterback soulmate. You need some offensive linemen that, that can help you. You need, you need some defensive players that are studs that can help you. But it is about having everyone on the same vision. And yeah, there are times that some of those people are not the, the best away from football. But when we talk about character and all these things as a general manager, like, and a steward of the city, I think it does matter because at the end of the day, the other thing about sports is, is we cheer and we root and I don't want to root for bad people. Um, and luckily, when it comes to Adam Peters specifically, it doesn't seem like we have to, which is great. Um, but if four years from now, they're still winning six games a year, I'm not going to be sitting in this chair going like, ah, yeah, he's such a great person. Like, no, he's got a job to do. Hold two thoughts in your head at once. I promise it won't kill you. I promise it'll be okay. I promise you can do it. Just a little bit of dedication, a little bit of try hard, a little bit of open-mindedness. And please never call our show again. Unless you have something more intelligent to say. Everyone else is welcome. 301-230-0980. If you're in Iraq, Ace Law helps you get a check. Call 8888-ACE-LAW. And yeah, by the way, Adam Peters does have three. Count them. One, two, three. Super Bowl rings. Two with New England. One with Denver. And still could get a fourth. Because if the Niners win this year, uh, they will indeed give him a ring. Uh, he's been in the NFL, I think. 16 years, he's won 13 division titles. So tell me more about how 
you don't care. <laughs> Seems to be working all right for him. Uh, we'll take more of your calls next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Taking your calls, 301-230-0980. That is, of course, our Ace Law listener line. If you're in rec, Ace Law helps you get a check. Call 8888-ACE-LAW. Still to come on the show. Uh, we'll go around the NFL at 5.30. Uh, of course, review our picks, but really talk about the playoff games. And uh, I, I'd love to kind of focus in on, too, how some of those teams are built, like what's working in the playoffs, and, and obviously kind of use that as a roadmap for the Commanders. Uh, we're going to do that a more intense version of that next week once we're down to four teams as well on Take Command. Uh, and we'll play some of that for you here on the radio. So uh, always good to subscribe to both the Hoffman Show and the Take Command podcast. So if there's anything that you missed that you want to check out later, uh, it's right there in your podcast feed. Uh, also, we'd like for you to actually, you know, listen to that stuff, not just like have it available. And just, you know, it's good for you. Uh, extra, extra smart radio. That's what we try to provide here. Um, and then also uh, Michael Phillips. Uh, we also, we also like bits. So, you know, Michael Phillips is, is the, the vice president of bits also has great information. He will join us uh, coming up at five o'clock. All right, let's get back to the phones. 301-230-0980. Let's go to Charles. Charles, thanks for calling. You are on the Hoffman show. Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm good, Charles. How are you? Doing good. Hey, my only question is, I was in the, I was stationed in the United States Naval Academy when David Robinson there, and when he left, he went to, you know where? Yes, the Spurs. And anyway, I thought he was the one who helped build the Spurs into an empire along with Popovich, and then Duncan came in, and he taught Duncan quite a few things. Is that I mean, not true? No, he. I mean, he did for sure. I mean. But the, you know, Robinson's last year was their first title, or maybe it was 2003, maybe it was their second title, um, was, was his, the end of his career versus Duncan was there for all five. But I mean, same, same concept, um, that, that, that Spurs dynasty was built on character. And I think, I think David Robinson had a big part in that, um, as well. And I obviously understand why you're calling as someone who was stationed at the Naval Academy and, and was there at the same time as David, um, but yeah, it, it definitely like the same concept applies. It's just the titles. Duncan had five of them. Robinson, I think, had two, if I'm remembering correctly. Very good. I do appreciate you taking my call. Go Commanders! It's about time they got new blood in there. Yeah, for sure. All right, thanks for the call, Charles. Um, and again, you can give us a call three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty. But I mean, if you think about it, Ant, who are the the best dynasties of the last, let's say thirty? 40 years in sports, right? You have, and the NBA is all, it's hard to compare the NBA and the NFL for sure. But I mean, NFL wise, you had the 49ers and the Cowboys. Um, Cowboys were definitely built a little bit different uh, in terms of character and personality. But I will say like there was a cohesive, you know, rebelness to them that Michael Irvin, Jimmy Johnson, et cetera. Um, and Troy Aikman was kind of a, a calming force in a lot of that. Um, you know, that is what it is. It's also a different era of the NFL. So like the salary cap era and how things have to go now. And also modern media environments, like some of the stuff that happened in the 1990s Cowboys 
Uh, if that stuff happens today, maybe that's not quite a dynasty because different different guys never get second chances or uh, their behaviors ignored or whatever. Like that wasn't exactly the cleanest team, and, and nor was it the cleanest time uh, with kind of what is tolerated by the league, by fans, etc. But in in modern sports, so let's even say since the year two thousand, Lakers, um, obviously, like look, I mean, I'll tell you that Kobe Bryant had a. Uh, sorted history of terribleness, uh, especially early on in his his, his career. Um, but from a basketball standpoint, like the what they were able to build um, was was obviously very very good. And and Phil Jackson, you know, when you talk about like the dating stuff, like Phil Jackson was as good at personality management as anybody, right? So he understood how to get people to get along, work together, um, create. Uh, a unified vision and everyone understood their role. Like Phil was as good as anybody. Um, obviously LeBron, otherworldly talent, but also LeBron from a character standpoint, like he made sure like he's a famously good connector. Um, it made sure everyone felt involved and, and you know, it's, it's a good situation that they had in Miami um, with he, Watt, Bosch, Wade, etc. cetera. Uh, and then the more modern one in the NBA is the warriors. And that is a culture built on joy. Like that is a culture that is built on Steph Curry being the centerpiece, which was as good of a human being as we've had as a superstar in any sport at any point in human history. Like in terms of just like good quality human being, like uh, Steph Curry at the center of that. But of course, the thing that also powers it is uh, Steph Curry is also the greatest shooter of all time. So if you can get that combination, and I think this is why, like I, I go to Popovich and Duncan, for instance. Like if you can get the combination of elite player and elite. Uh, elite person then that's how you build like sustainable winning which is what you had here i think also like the kobe uh comparisons again just to leave it on the court like part of the reason that he only he and Shaq only win three is because like those are two big personalities that cared about the wrong stuff and eventually they couldn't collaborate anymore whereas duncan ginobili parker like those guys stay together for 15 years the warriors are in year like 12 of this run um, because you have this elite person on top of elite player at the center of it. Um, the all-time exception is Michael Jordan, who was just so damn good it didn't matter anyway. Um, but he, you know, Michael leaves in the middle of it. They, there's a full-on reset for a couple of years because he leaves to go play baseball. Um, and if you watch The Last Dance, like, that was probably necessary for everyone else too. But in football, like, Brady's competitive character is pretty, you know, like, essential um, to their success. Uh, and obviously he plays the most important position. And other than that, there's like not really a lot of dynasty stuff in football, but the teams that are, I would say, consistently competitive, like Mahomes, Kelsey, like what they've built, uh, I think is, is pretty special. Um, Josh Allen is an A plus dude. They're competitive. They're in it every year. And these guys are great players and that matters a ton. But we talk about like enhancing the people around them. Um, I think, I think that matters. And like, one thing I would say about even San Francisco, right? Again, have they gotten to the Super Bowl with Kyle? Uh, no, they haven't. But Kyle has learned. They're they're consistently, you know, in the mix every year. Kyle has learned how to be a better person to his players and be a more human person versus other stops in his career where he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and probably didn't maximize a lot of people despite his schematic brilliance because he he was too prickly like he he wasn't approachable and as an offensive coordinator he struggled with that but as he became a head coach he knew that like okay now it's my job to be the kind of leader person and i think that matters a lot and it's something that clearly adam peters 
uh, and Josh Harris and the rest, this is why they hired Bob Myers, uh, are going to to look for as they look for a head coach, Ant. Yeah, and I was just about to, you know, bring up Bob Myers and I think just his importance with helping, you know, bringing a guy like uh, Adam Peters. I think they're looking for people that can, like, really connect on a, you know, a very personal le- level. And I think you have no better person than uh, a Bob Myers who understands, you know, how to uh, mesh personalities and things of that sort. So I feel as though um, as far as Adam Peters goes and, you know, just trying to move the, the, the franchise forward, I, I think him, starting with him, uh, I think that was the right choice. And then also just the fact that Josh Harris was able to, you know, get this done five days after, you know, the commander season ended just also tells me more about Josh Harrison, you know, that he wasn't just sitting back and, you know, doing nothing. Like as the season was ending and, you know, everybody knew Ron's uh, tenure was coming to an end. We didn't know what Josh Harris was doing, but it's starting to all, you know, make sense. And I think, you know, Josh, I mean, Josh Harris also talked about it after, uh, Ron Rivera got, um, you know, fired, I guess, that this was going to be a quick uh, and, you know, thought very strategic, you know, process. And he's acting on it. And the work is showing right now. So I'm excited for what the future holds. For sure. And one thing I'll say about Myers, too, um, it's fragile. And Mm -hmm. I think Myers would probably admit this, um, that they mishandled everything around the punch with Jordan Poole. And, and so even despite what they built in Golden State, like that punch changed so much within their organizational and kind of their organization and kind of the, the feelings and, and kind of the, the emotional stability of that organization. Cause like Draymond had always been you know, doing stuff, but like that crossed a line that like shattered what they had built, the culture that they built. And I don't think Myers handled and, – and, and that entire organization handled that particularly well in hindsight. And it's had a huge effect on Draymond. It's had a huge effect on their ability to win. And it's had a huge effect, uh, obviously, on Jordan here in D.C. And and um, I I would imagine at some point Myers probably says that out loud. Um, I don't think he's he said it particularly to this point. Um, I th- I'm, I'm sure at some point there will be a 30 for 30 on the Warriors dynasty. And, like, that moment is going to be talked about as, as the beginning of the end. Um, cause they were coming fresh off a title, um, and, and it just completely fell apart. So it, sh- it shows you too, like once you get it right, like it takes maintenance, it takes work, it takes effort to maintain that. And the great ones can do that and they have the character to do it. And, and obviously you hope you don't lose your, you know, the game doesn't pass you by from like a scouting and a strategic element as well. Cause there's, this is multifactorial. I, again, I'm be trying to be very careful not to reduce it all to like feelings and emotions. Um, there's obvious acumen involved as well and Harris talked about like the football IQ becoming more and more important as as the game evolves and and you're trying to find edges in smaller and smaller windows but that stuff is the basis and has been for a long time of great teams which is why you know team you know if you win like 30 years later you go back to the reunion and you're just back with the guys and that camaraderie uh matters a lot it's what people miss about the sport when or sports when they leave um, whether our, our, your career is done in high school like most of us or whether it's uh, you eventually retire as a professional. It's off and show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Talking about Adam Peters, the new general manager introduced today for the Washington Commanders. Had a press conference, and Michael Phillips was there. He joins us next.